This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And I'm Seth Haynes. Seth, what are you drinking right now? Today, I am drinking a sparkling water, a flavored sparkling water, but it is not a brand that we have featured yet, Tish. <laughs> I'm drinking Spindrift, oh, yeah. which is, I, I don't know, I get it at Whole Foods. I don't know who makes it, but it's pretty good. And this is the half tea, half lemon sparkling water. And I'm not going to lie to you. It kind of, uh, it tastes a little bit uh, skunky. A little mm-hmm. bit hoppy, a little bit skunky, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I kind of might be addicted to it a little bit. Oh, wow. I did I could, not know sparkling water a, came in tea form. Yeah, I could drink this like all day, every day, and probably not get tired of it, which is really weird for me to say. That's so cool. I was going to drink coffee. It is the morning as we record this. Um, yeah. We're still a little bit off schedule. Yep. Uh, but um, I've had so much coffee today that I'm getting jittery. Oh, yeah. I've been there. Mm -hmm. So I can't do that. I can't do that anymore today. So what are you drinking? Um, Literally copy and paste from last week. And I wanted to be more original. And I was like, you know what? This is what I got. It's the morning. It is my standby Ethiopia coffee. So (laughs) on on that Ethiopian, is it uh, what's the profile? Is it blueberries? It's the blueberries. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that amazing? It's weird. It's weird. It's one of the only coffee beans that I agree with its description. Like sometimes when they'll say like citrusy notes of jasmine and I'm making stuff up, honey. I'm like, really? Are you sure? Um, But to me, blueberries is a real thing. Yeah. When you get a good yoga chef, it's like a blueberry comes and punches you in the face. Right. Exactly. And And then gives you an aftertaste of coffee. And it's lovely. Yeah. It is lovely. Yeah. Okay. It is Good Friday today when this goes out. We're actually recording it a few days before. So it's basically Holy Week. And we were just having this discussion about what to say on Good Friday. And it's it's kind of a tricky dance for us. So what are your initial thoughts about Good Friday? Yeah, I think my initial thoughts are what to say on Good Friday slash if to say anything on Good Friday. I, you know, this is my however manyth year of celebrating uh, Lent. And what I find is that um, in Holy Week, uh, everybody kind of has something to say. And there are so many people that are saying really good things that I kind of just, I'm mean, kind of like, man, why do I even need to add to it? Like, there are so many good uh, people uh, in the church who are saying amazing things, offering amazing reflections you know, kind of what do I have to bring to the conversation? So a a big part of what I've been struggling with this week, just in my own personal writing and my own personal space is, you know, why say anything? Why not just be quiet? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I think that's, that's my initial thought is like, well, maybe it's time for us to be a little bit more quiet. And as we discuss this, it actually seemed a little bit appropriate to just say, Hey, let's take a quieter approach. Let's take a shorter approach um, and let's examine sort of the the silence and the silent moments of Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And I, once we decided to talk about this, I did a quick search about the sacramentality of silence. You know, what what have smarter people than me, what have they said about this idea of silence? And there's there's been a lot. But one thing that came to mind as soon as I started reading some people's thoughts were, oh, yeah. When I first started going to a Catholic Mass, I don't know if you had this experience, I was a little bit hyper aware of the parts that involve silence. 
the parts mm-hmm. that you do nothing. And in mm-hmm. fact, the the priest or whoever goes and sits back down <laughs> and just sits there. I remember feeling uh, almost like looking around like, does somebody need to go check his mic or <laughs> is this, is this right? And then I realized of course, like, Oh, that's intentional. There, there's actual silence like baked in the whole mm-hmm. liturgy mm-hmm. and it's become something I have so grown to appreciate. And the fact that like when you first come in to a mass, there is silence. You don't have mm-hmm. the the shaking of hands and the background music and the getting of your coffee and the the chit chat until the service starts. That you're intentionally supposed to sit there and be quiet and do nothing but sit there with your thoughts. Yeah. And so, to me, that's what I've been reflecting on today. This idea of what does this look like in my life? What does it look like to bake in intentional silence where there is no background music or other people's thoughts? You know, coming in to fill the silence. Yeah. My favorite parts of really good books uh, tend to be those moments of quiet between action. You know, when you have like this um, super intense action on one side and then there's this, you know, it's not silence or else the book would be boring, but there are these moments of just like quiet sort of journey or quiet, um, you know, reflection or thought, or I think about, did you ever read the secret life, secret life of Asher love or is that what it's called? I cannot remember the name of the book right now, but it's about this uh, young Jewish boy who is an artist. And that book is so quiet because there are so many, uh, my name is Asher Love. That's what it's called. I just looked it up. There are so many Hmm. moments where he's just like drawing or um, sort of going into his own mind and it's sort of between action moments. And there's something really beautiful and restful about those moments in the book and, and in really great books. And I think, you know, to me, silence is that sort of time to yourself between the action moments to really sort of reflect on what's happened and to reflect on what's coming or what could be coming um, to sort of prepare yourself. And to me, that's what Good Friday is all about. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we go back and look um, at the actual story of Good Friday between, you know, Monday, Thursday and Good Friday, you have this moment where you know, Jesus is, is sort of in the garden and it's post-meal, pre-crucifixion, pre-arrest. It's this moment where he's pleading with God. He's inviting people into um, this upcoming moment of pain, even though they don't know what to do with it. They fall asleep. They can't really support him. Um, he knows that something is coming, but there's this this sort of holy pause, this big, long moment where it's just him in a garden waiting, you know, preparing. Uh, and there's something about that silent moment that I think really speaks to, uh, to me. And it, and it always really has, especially in times of grief. Mm-hmm. I think we in our modern era have a hard time with silence. We want to fill the space. And I think perhaps in our Christian subculture, we have a hard time with silence because we want to make meaning of every little thing and have a hard time with embracing mystery. I think there is a correlation between silence and mystery because both invite us to just sit there with the present um, here and now information laid before us and to not necessarily have to understand it or solve a puzzle. We don't like that in our post-enlightenment world. And so I think 
you know, I, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but maybe sometimes why I get squirmy with silence in my life is because I want answers. I want to make sense with it. And a lot of times what God is saying through silence is just sit in the mystery of things, you know, be okay with questions left unanswered. And I think perhaps there is something to that with Good Friday. Of course, you know, we are on the other end, so we already know how it ends. But if we could just imagine ourselves today, perhaps sitting in that moment, you know, being Mary Magdalene or being Peter and really, truly not knowing what's going to happen. And just what the silence might seem like, you know, you want Jesus to explain it all to, uh, you know, to provide the three point application of what the crucifixion and resurrection that's going to happen is going to mean, how to apply it to our lives and why, even though this is really hard, it's going to be okay. And it doesn't seem like from what we've read in scripture and church tradition, that's what happens. It seems like he's in agony over in the garden, which, you know, it's like, well, if you're God, this could be a little troubling. And here I am not getting answers. So to me, there's a correlation between not getting answers and mystery and and silence and having to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for all of us, I mean, that's true. I mean, we all go through these moments of of grief and pain and hardship. I remember the first time that the garden uh, narrative really spoke to me. Uh, we were in the middle of a really hard season with our uh, youngest son. You remember this season? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know, you know, if he was going to, uh, you know, thrive or if he was going to fail to thrive, continue to fail to thrive. Uh, the doctors were unclear, and this was a season that lasted for quite a while. And in that season, as you know, I also drank really, really hard because every time there was this, you know, holy pause, this moment of like, hey, what's going to happen? My thoughts just were filled with terror and dread and fear. I did not like the mystery of not knowing what was going to happen. I was not hearing from God. It was not a good moment. And so, man, I just used all the gin and all the whiskey I could find to silence my own head you know, to like mm-hmm. numb my own head because I did not like what I was hearing in the silence. And I think every one of us is going to go through those moments of grief and those moments of trial and those moments of like, what, Hey, what's going to happen. Um, and in those moments of, of questioning, the silence can be really troubling. It can be like really stormy, really awful, really painful. You know, we could be really prone to turn to stuff to numb it. Stuff mm-hmm. to like sort of numb uh, that silent moment. And I think that's, you know, the, the the beauty of the garden moment is that's not what we saw. What we saw was in that silence, in the mystery, in the question, um, you know, the, the God man figure continually turned to his father and said, hey, help me, help me, help me, even though he didn't hear anything. And, you know, we were talking before the show in that moment for us, for in my own personal life, like my friend's didn't know how to be with me in it. Sometimes they said the wrong things. Sometimes it kind of sucked and it sort of hurt. They were doing the best they knew how, but they didn't know how to be with me and to be quiet with me. I wasn't really hearing from God. And so that was kind of troubling because I wanted him to say, hey, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. But I didn't hear that. Um, and, And, you know, the silence was really painful until one day it wasn't. 
until one day, like my friends did kind of know what to say until one day, something like a divine presence did sort of show up. And so I think just trusting ourselves in the silence is really important and trusting that, Hey, this is a silent moment. This is a painful moment, um, but it will break loose mm. at some point. It will break loose. That's the mystery of life. And being that friend on the other side, you know, someone who perhaps is has a friend that is going through a hard time, going through grief, going through addiction, something, it can be the the silence can be awkward and painful because you want to fill it with the right words. You want to be, mm-hmm. you want to do what you wish God would do in the silence and give you all the answers and tell you it's going to be okay and it's going to be fine. And it feels almost like not being a good friend to just sit there and to say, I know, or that sucks, or I'm here, or all these other things that feel pithy or not enough. Um, and just to let the white space <laughs> be the rest. And Mm -hmm. I know as the friend, I'm learning to be better at that because it's hard, you know, to to not feel like you want to just have all the answers. And I think maybe that's what we see a lot. Well-intentioned by people, you know, that mean well, but I don't know. Hey guys, a quick break to tell you about StoryWorth, our fantastic sponsor for this episode. You may have heard me talk about them before. That's because I really and truly love what they do and what they're about, and I think you will too. So the spring holidays, like Mother's Day, are coming soon, and whether or not you're able to gather right now, StoryWorth has made a way to record memories and thoughts into a beautiful keepsake book. Honor your mom or mom figure in your life this Mother's Day with StoryWorth. They're an online service that helps your loved ones share their memories and personal stories through weekly questions emailed to them. So here's how it actually works. Every week, StoryWorth will send your person one question to answer. Things like, what was your first date like? And what are some of your favorite songs? For someone like your mom, some fun questions could be, what was your favorite meal that your own mom would make? And what was the best advice your mom ever gave you? You can choose the questions StoryWorth has, or you can create your own. And then after a year, all their answers will be compiled along with any additional submitted photos into a beautifully bound published book that StoryWorth then sends to you for free. It becomes this beautiful keepsake for future generations to cherish because it tells stories you may not have otherwise ever known. StoryWorth is especially a great gift idea right now when we can't be with so many of our loved ones in person, especially our moms who've lived full lives and have all sorts of stories waiting to be told. I mean, if there's ever been a year to make the moms in your life feel seen, loved, and heard, I would say it's this one. Truly, this is such a great, meaningful Mother's Day gift idea. So get started by going to storyworth.com slash drink, and you'll save $10 off your first purchase. So that's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H, storyworth.com slash drink to receive $10 off. All right, back to our chat. Yeah, we don't have all the answers. That's just all there is to it. Um, yeah. Things are mysterious. We ask for things that we don't receive, and the silence, the no, is painful. 
Mm. Um, and, and even still, we have to find ways to sort of regulate our emotions, uh, regulate our heart. I mean, simple things like our heart rates and our breathing in the anxiety of that silence. That's to me what's been the blessing of the intentional practice of silence is that mm-hmm. even when life's not tumultuous and painful, if I can get acquainted with the silence now as a practice, um, when the anxiety comes calling or when the pain comes calling, and it will, because it does, that's what life does, we're ready. We're ready mm-hmm. to engage and embrace the silence and go into it and search for answers. And if we don't find any coming out on the other side saying, well, I know that things will break at one point. I know, mm-hmm. I know we'll get through this. I know things will break on the other side of this. Um, I just have to trust this moment of silence. I just have to trust the mystery of it all and, and, and dig into it. And at the risk of sounding like I'm doing the opposite of what I was just talking about and <laughs> forcing a, a pretty bow on, you know, on something to tie up, since we'd like to talk about the sacramental nature of all things, what in your experience has has um, been beautiful about silence in your life? For me, it's been getting to know, I mean, really getting to know myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, there there's this, in the old spaces that I was in, you know, um, faith spaces I was in, every moment of silence was filled with a swelling guitar. You know, <laughs> like you, you couldn't have any moment of just quiet reflection. And, and probably the truth is I'm kind of more geared for that. I kind of crave that more than a lot of people. And maybe that's personality type. Um, you know, I don't know what that is. Um, but for me, when there are these moments of silence, I can actually ask myself, like, what is my body doing right now? Is my heart beating too fast? Am I, am I having shortness of breath? Like, Oh, that's called anxiety. What am I anxious about? Like, what is my body telling me right now in the silence? I can actually do those sort of examinations. Um, I can actually ask myself, what is my body feeling? I can actually think, um, about, you know, what, what is uh, troubling me? What is worrying me? What are the things in the front of my mind when I'm just doing, 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 going, 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 and I don't stop. I'm really unaware of my body. And that totally is, uh, that totally is a personality thing. I mean, even when I think through, you know, we've talked about working out on the show, even when I talk, you know, I'm I'm in a big loud gym and everything's thumping and I'm lifting weights, like that's still a type of silence. Nobody's talking to me. I'm not talking to anybody. I can be very body aware and I can say, you know, what's going on inside? What's happening here? So, I think for me, the sacramental beauty of silence has been the ability to kind of really dig into myself and get to know myself. And then um, if I find something that needs tending to, I can, you know, for me, take that to God, or I can take it to a spiritual director, or I can talk with my wife about it, or invite a friend into it. Um, But that all really starts with that silent act of really knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that you brought up working out because when you started talking, I immediately thought of my workout this morning, which is, which was yoga. My favorite kind of yoga is called yin yoga, which is a style that's, I don't know the official verbiage for it, but basically it's really slow yoga and really deep yoga. And so you hold poses for usually at least two minutes at a time. Oh, wow. 
without moving, right? And it gets really deep into the muscle. And so it's a lot of learning how to breathe through things because what you do is you stay in place and it really hurts at first because it's, you know, true to yoga, a really awkward position. But then as you learn to breathe through it, you actually feel your muscles start to loosen up. Mm And so I did that this morning and I was reminded because it had been a while since I'd done yin yoga that it pairs so well with prayer because, you you know, you go into this pose and you're like, oh, my gosh, this hurts. <laughs> and you have to start breathing. And the only way it'll work is because you're not moving. You're not like, mm-hmm. OK, I'm going to count to five and then move on to another. You're you're there for a couple of minutes is to start breathing through it. And I found myself going back to that concept of breath prayer, which we haven't talked about on the show, but you know, the, the Jesus prayer that goes with inhaling and exhaling mm-hmm. that concept of inhale and you pray, um, which of course I'm blanking now, um, Jesus Christ, son of God, have son mercy of the living God. Yep. Yeah. And then have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found myself just doing throughout this whole thing. And what was so freeing about it was that by the time I was done, half an hour or so, I fully felt like I had a conversation with God and I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, repeated the same dang phrase <laughs> the entire time. And yet I felt like I had genuinely spent time with God. And so for me, it's it's similar to that knowing myself better through silence. And it's, I, I think the only thing I would add to that is just shutting myself up as though I know what I'm talking about, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, inviting silence because it means it gives God more room to speak and God knows what's up more than I do. Yeah. And so I should probably listen more than speak. Yeah. But I'm saying all this, not that I'm perfect at it at all. In fact, this is such a dumb, you know, contradiction to what I just said last night. I had to walk down a few blocks to pick up uh, dinner, you know, we live off the square and I was going to walk Jenny and I could not find my earbuds. And (laughs) I used that opportunity to like catch a few minutes of a podcast or whatever. And it was like, shoot, I'm just going to have to walk. I mean, we're talking six blocks. It's not far. And I've just found myself shaking my head. Like how ridiculous am I? I cannot walk for six blocks in silence. And so I did, of course. And it was like, oh, this is nice. I can hear birds. And (laughs) this is lovely. I should do it more often. Um, So I just add that to say, I'm still figuring it out. And I will my whole life. You know, this is a a lifelong pursuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we all are. I mean, even when you're talking about the Jesus prayer, that reminds me of um, my my moment of greatest silence I was talking about. It It was really the moment of silence of God, silence of friends. Um, when I was trying to come out of my over drinking and I would sit in this big oversized chair in the evening and just breathe and pray over and over again uh, with, with, with my breath and with the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner and just scan my body and say like, what's happening? Oh gosh, I'm riddled with anxiety. What is that? How do I tend to that? What do I need to do? What do I need to hear? Um, do I need to hear anything? Um, and, and that practice of intentional silence and intentional prayer uh, and intentionally just like sort of looking for nothing except for the consolation of knowing that at some point, somehow, something would happen. Someone mm-hmm. would show up. Um, that practice is the thing that actually really dragged me much deeper into sobriety. Hmm. 
There you go. I think there's, yeah, I, I think it's simplicity is the answer. You know, the, the fact that, I mean, you even say it and it sounds so trite and yet that's, that's where God, you know, God talks to us, moves in our lives, even when we don't hear it through those, the white space, through the margins, through the silence. And if we feel frustrated by that, you know, all we have to do is remember the Garden of Gethsemane all the way to the crucifixion where Jesus was talking to God and he didn't hear an answer. So we're in good company if if we're feeling that. And I think that's a good reminder for our listeners. You know, if, if you're listening to this on Good Friday and you're not quite sure what to do with the discomfort or what to do with your day, or you feel this like hankering to make it meaningful, you know, do something with your kids or do something with your community. Perhaps it's an invitation to just sit in silence and and not try and force some sort of program and instead let God do whatever God wants to do through some silence in your life. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> well, good. All right. So, Seth, um, as we wind down our chat, we like to talk about something we're watching, reading, or listening to that's adding more beauty to our life. So um, what do you have this week? I started listening to, um, before I tell you what I started listening to, let me preface it. Okay. I have had a really hard time finishing books in 2021. I get it. I don't know why. I I haven't had this problem in probably five or six years. It doesn't feel like ADD. It just feels like, ah, I mean, I'll get about a quarter of the way through and I'm like, I'm not gripped. And so I just kind of leave it. I don't, I'd rather read books than listen to books. Um, And so I've started several novels this year. Um, I finished one of those several novels, uh, which was a David Mitchell novel. So you, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know how much I love David Mitchell. Um, Otherwise, I just I, I just haven't been able to get into it. So I wanted to read, and this is not a novel, but it's a book by George Saunders um, hmm. about short story writing. It's called A Swim in a Pond in the Rain, in which four Russians give a masterclass on writing, reading, and life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I really, really wanted to read it. And then I was afraid, scared to death that, oh, gosh, as much as I love Saunders, I'm going to open this up and I'm going to quarter, quarter of the way through and I'm going to quit. Mm-hmm. So I had a bunch of Audible credits to burn and I burned an Audible credit on this. And it is amazing. And why is it amazing? Well, the readers of the short stories are phenomenal. And uh, the first uh, short story as uh, a checkoff short story and it's read by Felicia Rashad. So mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like, you know, this like very matronly queen figure was reading this beautiful, refined Chekhov, you know, work and, and um, intermittently, you know, Saunders would sort of pop in and, and take it apart and offer his thoughts on it. So it is a really good listen. It is, it'll be a phenomenal read. I'm also going to buy the book and, and annotate it heavily because it is very good, particularly if you're inclined to uh, read short stories and you want to understand why some grip you and why some don't. Great book for that. But the listening experience is truly first class. Um, so yeah. And at some point, I believe that um, Ron Swanson reads a story. Oh yeah, he. Which is not um, his real name. His real name is Nick Offerman, but we yeah, yeah we all call him Nick Offerman. Read um, a sizable portion of Lincoln and the Bardo 
Oh, um, so I didn't know that. yeah, I, I think he's a George Saunders fan and that's a really good audio book as well. So maybe yeah. there's something okay. about George Saunders writing that makes for good audio. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Cool. What are you listening to great. watching or uh, reading that's bringing beauty well, to your life? I am exactly in the same boat as you is in finishing books. I've been in a weird fiction rut and According to my Substack subscribers, because we talk every week and we usually veer into book chat, um, it seems like a lot of people are in this boat. And I'm not quite sure what's up in the water with 2021, but so be it. Um, But I think I have finally found a book that has broken me out of my fiction rut and my finishing of books rut. I'm 80% done. I completely plan to finish it because it's good. It is a novel called Orphan Train. I had had it for several years. Um, I'm not a big Kindle fan, but it's on my Kindle. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of those ebook for 99 cents or $1.99 kind of sale. So I went ahead and got it because I'd been wanting to read it and then completely forgotten it was there. So anyway, Orphan Train by Christina Baker Klein. It is a well-written novel. It's very easy. There, It's very accessible. There's nothing too... Um, terribly literary or um, standoffish about it. It's just a great story, but it's also not a beach read either. It's about um, the depression era and this family from Ireland where everybody soon after being in New York dies, except for this girl. And so the girl is sent on an orphan train, which is apparently a thing that happened that ran from the East to the West in the U S where people could just pick up orphans. And usually it was people in search of farm hands or girls to help around the house, that kind of thing seen more as like, you know, utilitarian than actual, yeah. I want a child. Um, and so it's her story, but it's also one of those goes back and forth in time because in the modern day, she's an old lady telling her story to a foster girl. Sometimes I find that a little eye rolly, you know, when, when books do that, but this one's well done actually. Yeah. And yeah. I end up invested in both girls, you know, from the 1920s and the modern day. And so it's a good read. So yeah, it, it's kind of nice to read a fiction a novel I think I'm going to finish. Hasn't That's happened awesome. in a while. <laughs> I think this is a book that my mom has uh, read and loved also okay. because she's talked about this before. So Got it. Um, yeah. Again, mom, if you're listening and I'm <laughs> not right, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, a lot of people like this book. So I think it's one of these I'm finally getting on the train. I was about getting to say on the that. orphan train, hmm. getting on the orphan train. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. On that note, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, you can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with It's where you can also sign up for our new Substack space for the show where we promise we have some plans for some fun, extra stuff for you. And it's also where you can support the show for just a few bucks. If you like what we're bringing to your earbuds, we're almost 100% listener supported. So again, all of this is at adrinkwithafriend.com and in the show notes of this episode. You can personally find me and all my work at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.com. Super simple. All right. Good. <laughs> Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter and Caroline Tassell is our transcriber and extraordinary assistant. I am Tish Oxenreiter and Seth and I will be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>